I'm going to ask you a question. Um, I don't want you to think it's too intrusive. So I'm going to change the question from how many of you did this to how many of you think. So how many of you think that the people here today came because they were, or because of the sign out front? How many of you think that the people who are here today came because of the sign out front? Okay. How many of you think that people came today because of the website? Okay, how many of you think that people became, came here because of one of the pens? Okay, no. How many of you think that someone, or people are here today because someone invited them? Okay, just, I mean, that's just something I want us to think about. As you know, uh, we're just over in Israel, and uh, being in Israel, there are many different cultures and many different religious groups, and it's always difficult to know which group you are with. And there's always a fear that you are going to offend someone. And you're always trying to figure out which group you're with because certain things are important to certain groups of people, and you had to figure out who your audience was. And whenever you're trying to figure out how best to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's always important to understand to whom you are talking, your audience. If I'm speaking to someone who has gone to seminary and has a seminary education and has studied the Bible, I'll speak to them in a way that would be different than if I was speaking to someone who had absolute no church background and knew nothing about the Bible. I may change the method but I never change the message. And we're going to continue our sermon series on the book of Acts, and what we'll see that the apostles changed the method of sharing the gospel, but they never changed the message of the gospel. And so I want us to look at Acts chapter 8, and we're going to look at the example that Philip sets for us on two different situations. And as we consider this this morning, I want us to remember the promise and the commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, verse 18, where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the very end of the age. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth, may the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. Well, to help us better understand the example that Philip sets for us, I want us to consider a couple things, and they're listed on the back of your bulletin. Um, I want us, the first thing is to consider who are the Samaritans. The second thing is, Who are the Samaritans of today? And then the third is, who is the Ethiopian? And then the last thing is, why is Philip a great example for us today? So I'm going to read most of Acts chapter 8. You can just listen along um, to Acts chapter 8. I'm not going to read the whole uh, text, but so that we'll understand the example that Philip sets. Begins, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. 
Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. With, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people both high and low gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come in any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands in them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now jump down to verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. When Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, he said, Do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in my way of being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So two different 
stories. The Samaritans and the Ethiopian eunuch. So let's look at the Samaritans first. Most of us remember the story of the good Samaritan, but you don't really get who the Samaritans are. You might remember the story of the woman at the well and how surprised she was that Jesus would actually talk to her. And so who are the Samaritans? Because the Jews in, um, around Jerusalem and the Samaritans did not like each other at all. And if you remember the story of um, before the woman at the well, or the story, actually it's the story of the Good Samaritan, the disciples want to bring judgment down. They want fire to fall from heaven on the Samaritans and wipe them out. So it's not a happy time between these two groups of people. So brief history, the Samaritans. Um, Samaritans means guardian keepers or watchers of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They are an ethno-religious group um, that originated from Israel. Um, ancestrally, the Samaritans claimed to be descendants of the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh, two sons of Joseph, as well as from the Levites. And so they believe that they are descendants of these tribes. And what happened was they felt that the place that you were supposed to worship was Mount Gerizim in the north. And they felt that when the Babylonians came in and wiped out um, Israel and took people captive to Babylon, that those Jewish people were corrupted by the culture of Babylon. And they felt that they were no longer faithful to the first five books of the Bible. And so they held that they had never been exiled, that they were still in the land. And so when the Israelites come back from captivity, um, those are the stories of Ezra and Nehemiah, um, they believed that they had been corrupted because now they were told, you are supposed to worship in Jerusalem. They said, no, we're supposed to worship in Mount Gerizim. And so there's this big divide between where are you supposed to worship. The other thing was the Samaritans only held as authoritative the first five books of the Bible. So they revered Moses, but they didn't listen to any of the prophets. And so the time of Jesus comes along, and Samaritans and the Jews are hostile against each other. They are hostile against each other. And so if you were a Samaritan, what do you think about the Jews from Jerusalem? Well, you feel rejected by them. You feel looked down on as if you are a second-class worshiper of God. So now you have this situation. Philip goes to a Samaritan village to preach the gospel. Just the fact that Philip goes from Jerusalem to a Samaritan village to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ bridges a huge divide. Eating with them, staying with them, living with them, living out the gospel with these people is huge. And what it says is that everyone is on equal footing before God. Everyone is in need of salvation through Jesus Christ. And the, the Samaritans would have remembered the story of the woman at the well and what Jesus did. And now the disciples, Philip comes. And then later, Peter and John come to show that we are all in equal need of God's grace and mercy. And you don't have to go to Jerusalem to hear the gospel. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship God. 
It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus. So Philip goes and preaches there. And they perform miracles and they, they see all that is happening. And they respond in faith. They accept the message that Philip brings and they believe in Jesus. And Peter and John coming to visit is further confirmation that there is no divide. There is to be no divide between Samaritan Christians and Jewish Christians. In fact, there should be no adjectives in front of Christian. We are either Christian or you're not. You're not a this Christian or that Christian. And we should never say, if you say, I'm a Christian. Oh, and by the way, I'm a covenanter. So? Or I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Presbyterian, or I'm Catholic, or I'm Orthodox. Are you a Christian? That's the only thing that matters. And so for Philip, he goes there. But he preaches to them. This is mass conversion. He's speaking to large groups of people. And so it's very different than what's going to happen with the Ethiopian. But think about this today. Who are the Samaritans today? And I don't mean historically who are they, but for us, at least in our lives, who are the people that we look down on? That we are not willing to go to, that we're not willing to eat with, that we're not willing to be with? Who are the people that we'll invite to church, but we're unwilling to go to where they're at? I'm just going to go through some groups of people. I don't mean to mean anything by them, but probably for me, these are the ones I struggle with. The gay community, New Agers, the homeless, unwed mothers, Muslims, any different race, the poor, the rich. I know it's probably different for each of us, but Philip sets for us this great example of going Going to people that were separated by prejudice. And now they are united by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Are we willing to go? So let's look at the Ethiopian. Totally different situation here. And Philip has this um, interaction with this Ethiopian and it's radically different than the Samaritans because the Ethiopian is a different race, different skin color. But he is highly educated and a person of authority and power. He is Jewish. Um, remember the Queen of Sheba from King Solomon's time? Well, most likely she went back home after meeting with Solomon and became a follower of God. And so a thousand years later, after this, uh, the Queen of Sheba story, you have a Jewish Ethiopian eunuch worshiping God in Jerusalem. And he is reading the prophet Isaiah. The Samaritans would never read Isaiah, but the Ethiopians reading Isaiah. And so Philip goes up to him and asks, do you know what you're reading? You know the story? He goes, no, how can I know unless someone explains it to him? He's reading from, um, I think it's Isaiah 53. And they sit down and have a Bible study. The method of sharing the gospel is totally different. The message is the same. It's all about Jesus. And so they have this Bible study, and Philip is willing to sit with this person and explain that the prophet is speaking about Jesus. 
and that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through his life, death, and resurrection, he offers us his righteousness as a gift that we accept by faith. And the Ethiopian eunuch accepts and believes and is baptized. The method is totally different. The message is the same. But in both situations, Philip was willing to go to where the person was at. Now I found that saying to someone who doesn't believe the Bible is authoritative to say, well, the Bible says this or that, really isn't helpful in sharing the gospel. But sharing how Jesus has made a difference in my life makes all the difference in the world. And then living the gospel in front of your friends and others is huge. Remember a number of years ago I was living in Cranford, New Jersey. For those of you familiar with New Jersey, that's exit 137 on the Garden State Parkway. I received a phone call from a friend who happened to be a funeral director. Um, we had become friends there and he asked if I would be able to do a funeral service for him. There was a Jewish man who had been cremated so the rabbi wouldn't do the service. And so he phoned and asked me and so I said sure I'd do it and I talked to the person um, and it turned out this man had died of AIDS. And so I talked to his partner and we talked about his life and um, his family. And he knew that I was a Christian and we talked openly about how I could do a funeral for a Jewish gay man. And I said that we are all broken people in need of God's love, mercy, and grace. And I said, would it be okay if I used some passages of scripture from Isaiah the prophet that talk about God's love for us? And he thought that would be great. We went and did the service and talked about Isaiah, talked about some of those passages, talked about God's love. And then I spoke a little bit about how Jesus comforts me at times such as this. And I remembered the people there were so thankful that I came. And it wasn't so much what I said. They thought I wouldn't be willing to just be with them. And sometimes it's not what we say, it's just our willingness to go that is so important. In both cases, Philip went. He didn't invite people to come to Jerusalem, to the temple to hear the gospel. He went to them. So please understand what I'm going to say. I appreciate church buildings, but the building is not the church. We are the church. People are the church. We are hope covenant church and we belong to the church capital C and anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is part of the church but we are not buildings now understand I love cathedrals I love historic cathedrals but so often we try and get people to come to a building rather than to be part of a people and oftentimes we try and get people to come to us and we're unwilling to go to them. And it's not an either or, it's a both and. And I think there is much for us to learn from Philip's example. So I'm going to give you a little um, personal insight into my family history. I grew up in a church and in a family that was um, where rock and roll was basically of the devil. Um, it was sinful, and if you listen to 
that music, it would lead you into a world of sin. Now remember, this is before Walkmans. Okay? How many of you have never heard the term Walkman before? Do you guys know what a Walkman is? Okay, you have no clue what a Walkman is. Okay? Forget 8-track. Okay, and all we had was a little Lloyd's record player and a very few selection of records. So a question, yeah, so a question for anyone under 30. Who's under 30 here? Okay, do you know what a 45 is? Okay, what does 45 mean? No, no, okay, size. Okay, I see everyone over 30 answering this question because they're happy to know that 45 means RPM, revolutions per minute. Okay, so what is an LP? Long play. Did you guys know that your parents had to listen to stuff and it was either short play or long play? All that to say, all that to say there was very uh, precious few records in our household and the thought of coming home with ACDCs back in black was something I would never do. Now I mentioned ACDCs back in black because if you think of the top selling records of all time, first is Michael Jackson's Thriller, second is the Eagles' Greatest Hits, third is Billy Joel's greatest hits. The fourth is Led Zeppelin 4. Think that they named a record 4. Fifth is Pink Floyd The Wall. And then sixth is ACDC Back in Black. ACDC, I think if we brought it into the house, there, my mother would have convulsed, you know. <laughs> and so... I never owned one of those records, and I was proud that I had not contaminated my life with that. And I was what C.S. Lewis would use. I was a prig, P-R-I-G. It is an actual word, and it means a self-righteously moralistic person who behaves as if superior to others. And I didn't listen to that sinful music. But understanding the music that people like and people listen to is a great way to understand what is important to them or at least with which they have a connection. And because I wouldn't listen to the music that all my friends were listening to, I had no bridge into their world. Think of just a couple songs here. The Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby. What's it about? profound loneliness such that you wear masks to cover up your loneliness because you don't want the world to see how lonely you are. People connected with that song. Other song the Beatles came out with was Help. What was Help about? Needing help and being able to admit that you needed help. So now all of a sudden you have Eleanor Rigby about profound loneliness and help and people connected with those songs. Another song, I was going to have us listen to it, but it's a little long, was Freddie Mercury's song from Queen, Somebody to Love. Now, Freddie Mercury was, if you go on best music performances of all time, the number one that most people agree is 
Queen's performance at Live Aid in 1985. 22 minutes long, but they don't sing this song. The reason I mention that is Freddie Mercury's standing in front of 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium in London, and people are screaming his name, they're cheering for him. And he said near the end of his life, I was desperately lonely. And that song, Somebody to Love, Can Anybody Find Me Somebody to Love, was his cry for help. He was desperately lonely. Well, there's two other um, songs I'm going to mention. And they are from Black Sabbath and from Ozzy Osbourne. So in your bulletin, I have a little handout with the words to these songs. Um, not many of you probably... How many of you have heard War Pigs before? Okay. The other of you are afraid to admit it. Um, it is um, Black Sabbath. You know, aren't they just devil worshipers? This is just evil. Um, and so I never listened to it. My son-in-law, I remember discussing this song with him, and he thought it was the coolest thing in the world that I would know a Black Sabbath song. But if you turn... Look at the words here for Black Sabbath. This is a heavy metal rock band. Um, it says, Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses, evil minds at plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields, the bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning, death and hatred to mankind, poisoning their brainwashed minds. Politicians hide themselves away. They only started the war. Why should they go out to fight? They leave that role to the poor. Yeah, time will tell on their power minds, making war just for fun. Treating people just like pawns and chess. Wait till their judgment day comes. Now in darkness, world starts turning. Ashes where the body's burning. And then this. No more war pigs have the power. Hand of God has struck the hour. Day of judgment, God is calling. On their knees, the war pigs crawling, begging mercies for their sins. Satan laughing spreads his wings. Oh, yeah. And I remember discussing that with my, who is now my son in law. And I said, you know, what a broken world we live in. And we are all going to have to answer to God for our actions. And it gave me an entryway, a bridge into his world. And we were able to talk about this. And I said, Jesus has something to say about this. But I understood more about him and what was important to him. This song was important to him. So... I'm going to do something, and you never thought we'd listen to Ozzy Osbourne in church, but so flip this over. You've probably heard this song before, and those of you who haven't, if you've ever been to a sporting event, there's two songs they usually play to get the crowd amped up. One is Crazy Train, and the other is Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. And they only play like the first 10, 15 seconds so that they don't have to pay royalties on the songs. <laughs> but it's supposed to get the crowd going. So I want you to listen to this song because for me, I want nothing to do with people who listen to these songs. They were sinful. But this song is a cry 
for help, and it's, an, uh, it's a critique of the world in which we live. So I ask, your, get for, ask for your forgiveness in advance if you hate this song, but let's listen to it. And if you want to sing along, you can sing along.
how many of you have heard that song before? How many of you knew what that song was about? Okay. I mean, this, I remember thinking, oh, I can't listen to Ozzy Osbourne. He's a devil worshiper. I don't know if he was, but that's what we were told. <laughs> this is a great song about, especially for a younger generation, you've been handed a world that is, is broken and is a mess, and there's no one to blame. Mental wounds not healing, who and what's to blame? And we live in this broken world, and you don't know what to do, and so you feel like you're going off the rails on a crazy train. And I sat there and I said to myself, if I can talk to my friends about this song and say, you know what, when things don't make sense in this world, there's only one thing that does, and it's Jesus Christ. But you have a bridge into their world. You can understand who they are and what's important to them. And you can go to where they're at rather than saying, you know what, I'll share the gospel with you once you stop listening to that music, once you clean up your lives, once you come to our church, once you've been here for a while, then I'll share the gospel. And what Philip teaches us is absolutely not. Go to where people are. Change your method of evangelism and keep the message the same. So what are we to do? Just a couple things, real quick. One, go. Go. Go where? Anywhere. Go to where people are at. Then the second thing, go and then listen. Listen to their hearts, listen to their stories, listen to their dreams, listen to their concerns. Philip absolutely knew, under, understood what was important to the Samaritans, and he went to them. So understand your audience before you ever open your mouth. Modify your method for your audience and present the gospel clearly, and then let people respond to Jesus. But always live out the gospel. Live it out. We are all one in Jesus Christ. We're all in need of salvation. And so go. Remember, Jesus said, Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, and I will be with you always. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know of your love, of your salvation, your grace and mercy. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you came to us. You came to where we were at, and you shared with us your love and your salvation is a free gift. And so, Lord, help us to go. Burden us for the lost of our world. And help us to overcome fears and prejudices and to boldly share your good news. This is our hope and our prayer, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.